Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And in this episode we watched uh, 2023's The Old Way and 2010's True Grit. Yeah, so these are both films about young girls... um, essentially getting revenge for the death of a parent um, by going on a little bit of an adventure to hunt them down with the help of an old gunslinger. Yeah, right? it's very old westerny, right on the precipice of like it being the turn where the, the, the uh, sort of the old west was sort of coming to an end. Yeah, they're set around the same time um, because the old way is set in, or mostly set in 1898, so the beginning of it is set in the 1870s, I think, and then it's 20 years later, Um, and then the other movie, I think, is set in the 18, is set fully in the 1870s, so they're about 20 years apart in terms of, in terms of, like, the year they're set in, but yeah, yeah, that, that kind of tail end of the old west, I guess. The old cowboys and shootouts mm-hmm. in the main main drag of town yeah lots of um marshals u.s marshals yeah. doing stuff mm. which one did you enjoy better because there was a lot so um for context who for people who don't know the old way has got really low it's like 33 percent critic scores yeah but like 70 percent actual audience score mm-hmm. so it's one of those weird Sort of like the people who like the movie like the movie, and the critics are like, "Nah, it's garbage," yeah. which is pretty pretty standard for critics. Yeah, I was days. gonna say that happens a lot. I think um, True Grit is very similar scores for critics and uh, audience. It's ninety five percent for the critic score and eighty five percent for the audience score. So the critics liked it better than the audience. Yeah, I think that happens a lot with Coen Brothers movies. No, oh, true. I think there's like a level of people who go to watch them and and don't like the brand of comedy maybe and may or maybe even with this one don't like the fact that it's not really a comedy yeah um i think people tend to expect comedy from a, a coen brothers film there are some funny moments in true grit yeah but they're like gritty funny rather than like haha funny yeah, I had really great performances, I think. Oh my god, the performances. Um, I did find Nicolas Cage, who plays the gunslinger and the uh, the the badass in the old way, a little bit stiff. Um, but yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff Bridges' performance, Matt Damon's performance. The real standout were both the girls in the movie. Um, yeah. I can't... Hayley Steinfeld and, um, and the other... Ryan Kira Armstrong? Yeah, which is hilarious to me because the only thing I've heard about Ryan Kira Armstrong is that there was a huge drama very recently involving her because uh, the Razzies nominated her for a Worst Actress Award and people said, why are you nominating a 12-year-old <laughs> for a Worst Actress Razzie? Like, do you not think this child is going to get enough bullying at school without yeah. doing this? Uh, not for this film. It was for Firestarter. She's in the remake of Firestarter. But people have said that... Uh, I mean, I haven't watched the remake of Firestarter. I think we probably are going to cover it on the podcast at some point. Um, 
But people have said that the only good thing about the movie is her performance, so it didn't make sense to nominate her for a Razzie anyway. But, um, yeah, I thought she was great in the old way. Yeah. Um, Haley Steinfeld, though, is something else. Yeah, yeah she's, she's fantastic in True Grit. Um, yeah, no, both movies, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, I think the... Because you, you have an issue with... Uh, length of movies where I don't. I don't have an issue with length of movies. You always complain. You, you bring this up all the time on here, and I always have to defend myself. Yeah. If it's a movie that I have no interest in, and it's like three hours long, it's very <laughs> hard for me to motivate myself to 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 go. Okay, I'm gonna sit down and watch this three hour long movie that I don't care about. If it's something interesting, then absolutely. And I've seen True Grit before. I really enjoyed True Grit. It's a good. It's a really good movie. Yeah, but the the point I was going to make, um, the old way's ninety minutes. Mm -hmm. True Grit's two hours ten. I thought it was just shy of two hours. I thought it was like one hour fifty. Might be one hour fifty. So there's only a couple of minutes. You know, there's. It's not a huge difference between them. Yeah. The scope of True Grit feels bigger. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Like. 100%. Um, I think it's either the cinematography. The cinematography in True Grit is fantastic. If you haven't seen True Grit, stop the podcast right now. Go rent it, pirate it. I don't care. Netflix. <laughs> you you've dug your own grave. The tricorder hats are coming back, folks. We'll be sailing the high seas of the Caribbean shortly. Um, or just buy it on DVD. Yeah, you can buy support, it on DVD. Support the Coen Brothers. Yeah, yeah, true. They make good movies. They do. Um, yeah, the, I think the cinematography of True Grit makes the movie and the Old West feel larger, and it reminds me back of the old days. I wasn't a huge fan of, like, you know, the the Clint Eastwood sort of gunslinger movies. Right. But the spaghetti westerns, huge fan of. The ones that are, like, really over-the-top stupid... Clint Eastwood was in a bunch of spaghetti westerns. Yeah, I know, but yeah. like everyone remembers Clint Eastwood as being like it's it's quick and dead. Um, no, what's what's the movie called? The Good, Bad, like, the Good, Good Bad, Bad and the Ugly. Yeah, that is a spaghetti western. Yeah, but they come off as like taking themselves very seriously. Mm. And I think um, uh, Quick and the Dead, the movie I made you watch with mm -hmm. um, Sharon Stone, um, Caprio's in it. Um, that comes off... At, oh, um, I think the standout character for me in that entire movie is Russell Crowe. Mm. Um, being, like, this convicted man of God who's forced to be, you know, go and join a quick-draw contest. Um, which is insane, because despite what movies have taught us, all that shit was still illegal. <laughs> you couldn't just shoot somebody in the street and be like, oh, well, I'm the badass of town. Like, no, no, you get arrested. You go to trail, jail. It's... I think um, the old way actually really touches on that. Yeah, it really does. Because there's a whole thing of, like, the beginning of the movie, which is set in the, in the 1870s, when Nick Cage's character, uh, Colton Briggs, yeah. is, was, like, a gunslinger and, like, well-known for it. Um, there's a whole scene where there's like a shootout and he kills a bunch of people and then it's um, in the modern times the modern what <laughs> to the modern in times, modern times like no in the old. in the 
the like you know the now of the film um which is the 18 i think it's 1898 is when it is um he so his the story of of the old way is that this guy who was formerly a gunslinger his wife is killed yeah. while he is minding his daughter because he walked his daughter to school but the school teacher was sick so she he, he brought her to work with him and they go home and find that his wife has been killed um and then him and the daughter decide to go back to the old way of yeah. <laughs> of gunslinging and go get their own revenge and it's you know a nice little bonding film but um <laughs> daddy the, daughter time yeah some daddy daughter time taking revenge for your murdered mother yeah i've seen people compare it to leon as well but with the girl like learning to yeah but um, i don't i didn't really see that in it yeah leon's different for many reasons yeah. but the yeah, it's very interesting because the daughter, being the standout character in that movie, mm-hmm. on the spectrum of autism, she's got Possibly. OCD. She's she, definitely got so. There's there's something that like at that time she would have they would have thought there was something very very wrong yeah, with her. Yeah. <laughs> She doesn't quite because there's uh, there's things like she doesn't know how to cry and yeah. stuff like that. It's a it's a whole. I don't, whole don't know if she like is is she technically a psychopath? Is that like she doesn't feel emotions? I don't know. Anyway, what was I actually getting to? Oh, I was saying, yeah. So so the re- they touch on the law thing in that, um, the marshal talks to Colton Briggs and it's basically like you can't go do this yeah. thing you want to do. He, he says, like, I know you used to do this stuff, but now there are, you know, we've become a state. There are laws, yeah. you know, let us do this the right way. Um, and that's interesting because it is this, you know, going from this era where it was, there, there wasn't, you know, it wasn't, a, there were no laws, yeah, <laughs> essentially, yeah, yeah. in the Old West. Um, and yeah, just, there was a point in time where you could just shave your moustache off and go by a different name and you'd be a completely different person. And yeah, yeah, like no one knows who he is. Marshall's kicking in your door like 10 years later being like, you're the outlaw criminal. It's like your new family being like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. It was my 20s, guys. I was blowing up gold mines <laughs> it, and stuff. It reminded me more of Red Dead Redemption, I think. The, yeah. The old way. I don't yeah. know if they were inspired by that or not, but it just felt a little bit like that. Um, but yeah, I think... True Grit, um, the way that movie. the way that they do that is more is it's there's a boundary. Yeah. Like they're in, they're in a town that does have marshals and does whatever, but they're going out to where these outlaws are, which is out in this, you know, un undiscovered country, the Indian territory, as they yeah, refer yeah. to it. You know, it's where the the Native Americans still own the land, um, and they're I guess out there is where there are no laws. Yeah, because you get the, yeah, with the, the, the badass dad who's, like, given up the guns and, and become a father because, you know, the only person who could ever change him from being this heartless killer was the, the woman who's now dead. Mm-hmm. And the daughter who must clean every single jelly bean. Um, and separate them by colour. Yeah. And, uh... Versus True Grit, where you've got, you know, this daughter who's going to try and get revenge for her father and wants the man apprehended and talk, brought back and hung for the crime that he committed. And you get Matt Damon playing Labeef, which Le is Le Beef. Le Beef, um, who's a Texas Ranger. 
and then you get the US Marshal played by Jeff Bridges, and it's just the combination of the three of them together is just absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is really punchy, like the insults back and forth between a US Marshal and a Ranger, and he's just like Jeff Bridges is just drunk and giving Matt Damon shit the entire movie, yeah. and it is so good. Yeah. But yeah, Haley's performance is fantastic because everyone's just like go away little girl Mm -hmm. like and she's just like no motherfucker like i'm gonna find this man and i personally you're coming along with i'm 14 and you old man and you texas ranger are coming along with me to find this yeah and she's so by the book and she's like no he is coming back to this town to be hanged so that he knows what crime he's being hanged for. Yeah. She's like, I don't care what he did in Texas. <laughs> he's being hanged for the crime of killing my father. I'm going to be the one to find him. I'm going to bring him back. We're going to do this the right way. Um, it's interesting because the Matt Damon's character is so beaten up through this movie. Yeah. He gets the worst of it. Like, even the bad guys don't get as bad as what he does mm-hmm. um, it's so good it's just so good I won't go into spoilers because it's like well do I um, we'll go into some spoilers I guess yeah but just episode. yeah just it's just hilarious the entire time because their interaction is just like on a professional level it's like when different like in modern movies when different government agencies interact with each other mm. it's like I'm from this government department so i'm in charge no i'm from this government department i'm in charge and they're just like we're both out of our like jurisdiction on this one so yeah. i'm just going to take the piss out of you the entire time yeah you're an old drunk texas rangers are pussies <laughs> like it's so good yeah and it's i mean the reason they you know they give for teaming up is essentially that well first of all they're hunting the same man but um rooster cogburn is he knows the land, yeah, and he knows the people of you know who he'll find out there and whatever. Because it's funny because it's like every time they see somebody, he's like, Wait a second, is that whoever? Yeah, it's just like, do I know that man? He knows everyone. Um, whereas Labeef, um, has been hunting this guy for ages and he's like, Well, you know, you need me with you because I know him. Um, at which point, I think, um, Maddie Haley Steinfeld's character is like, Well, you haven't caught him yet. So yeah, you don't obviously don't know him that well. It's funny because <laughs> he he brings up um, that the character thereafter, uh, Josh Brolin's character, is like this really smart guy who plays off as dumb, and then they finally meet each other. And he's so stupid. And he's so stupid, and it's such a short performance by Josh, but like his performance doesn't stand out as being overly fantastic mm-hmm. the first time you watch this movie. Because you're, like, led up to this this badass character that threw, you know, everybody else's, like, small talk around the campfire or on the trail and stuff. Then you end up meeting and he's just, like, kind of a bumbling idiot. Yeah. It's so funny. But also, he's, like, he's third build in the film. And yeah. And he literally only appears, like, 20 minutes before the end of the movie. He was in a lot before this. Mm. Well, okay, so yeah, no, this was this was after No Country for Old Men, which is I think the first movie I ever remember him being in. That's still oh, he's in Goonies. That's interesting. Yeah, he's uh, in Goonies. You didn't know he was in Goonies? No, no, no. I just hadn't. I hadn't. He remembered. was like the teenage brother. Yeah. Him. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, he's uh, been acting a long time. Yeah. Amy Steinfeld. This was her first theatrical film. Which is good because her career's 
working out reasonably well at the moment. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, she's legacy now in MCU. So yeah, true. She's going to get her own movies, probably. Yeah, true. Um, There's been a lot of controversy, because you mentioned it. Yeah, I think it's, like, it's bizarre. So, Haley Steinfeld is multiracial. Um, I have, hang on, because it was in IMDb notes for this, because people are, like to shit on people who are multiracial for some reason. Um... So it says including, so I guess she's got more background in this, but uh, Ashkenazi Jewish, uh, Filipino, and African-American background. And people didn't want her in this movie, in, in True Grit, because she's playing a white character. Yeah. Then she's not white, and they were like, she, she can't play a white character. But when she was cast as Kate Bishop in Hawkeye, People were like, well, Kate Bishop is clearly Asian or mixed race Asian, so you can't have Hayley Steinfeld playing her because she's too, she's white. And it's like, what do you mean she's white? She's like half Filipino. Yeah. She's like, that's, she's distinctly not white. She, you know, most of her heritage is not white. Yeah. I think that's... like she's like one eighth Caucasian or something, you know, like one eighth European descent. Um, it's bizarre to me. Um, like, I don't understand when people have a pre-existing notion of what a character's supposed to look like in the character's background. And, like, for an example, the big controversy with um, Cowboy Bebop's mm. live-action, like, reimagining, I guess you'd call it, um, where you take pre-existing and beloved characters and change them in a way... And I can understand, like, when fans get backlash against the actors like because yeah. you know you're an actor you're that's part of your job as being not not part of your job is having both forms of criticism you can have positive criticism you can negative criticism um but you can't criticize an actor on their race no if you think someone is the wrong race that's been casted to be if, you, if you're gonna give backlash at all it should be on the casting director the criticism that i meant for Cowboy Bebop as an example, yeah. is when the cast starts attacking the fans of the original, that's when you've dug your own grave yeah. and yeah. you deserve to be buried with a garden hose. <laughs> um, the, yeah, and it's, it's having people bring race, because like, to me, race is a social construct because you have... What 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 ethnicity is Barack Obama? People will refer to him as African American. Mm -hmm. He's only a small percentage of African American, mm -hmm. but you always look at whatever is the, unfortunately, darker um, genes that show through. Mm. Yeah. So people, I think it's because Haley Steinfeld has very pale skin. Yeah. Or, you know, comparatively, or whatever. Yeah. Um, people are like, well, she's white. She's not white. Yeah. She doesn't have telltale Asian features, so therefore she's a white person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's really strange. I mean, I guess in terms of true grit, they're saying, you know, it's a character who's, who's you know, it's a character from a book and from um, the previous adaptation of yeah, the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and saying, you know, well, she wouldn't be a... a a part Filipino character living in the Wild West. Yeah. I get, you know, I can see accuracy in that. But, like, 
she's a fantastic actress yeah. and she doesn't look out of place she doesn't seem out of place they don't like reference her heritage in the movie you know yeah. it's not relevant um and also she, she's actually closer in age to the character than the uh, actress who played the same character in the uh, the version of the 60s because that actress was 21 playing her <laughs> whereas uh, the character is 14 and Hayley Steinfeld was 13 playing her nice uh, she also was she, there were 15,000 girls who auditioned for the role dear god 15,000 that would have been a long weekend for the casting director yep and she was cast because out of all of the kids who auditioned all 15,000 of them she was the only one who was able to handle the script. Makes sense. And yeah. the sophistication of it and the um you know, the the way that her character speaks and the emotions that you know, how she comes across as being older even though she's clearly a child. Um she was the only out of fifteen thousand girls, she was the only one who was able to get it spot on. So they were like, We don't really care <laughs> about the race situation yeah. here she's fantastic do you know what's sad about it though is that like she is the character with the most screen time in that movie and she got a bunch of award nominations all the supporting actress that's bullshit yeah absolutely bullshit um she did like she did so well in that movie yeah no they her dialogue is fantastic mm-hmm. i think all the di- some Coen, Coen brothers and movies the dialogue is always the best part um, like even if you're not even you could just clip a piece of that movie and enjoy yeah. it Yeah. Um, where most movies need way more context and way more lead up to things mm-hmm. this was you know I think it's just the way they write dialogue um, Edgar Wright's another person that I think the dialogue's really punchy and really quick yeah. and it's very enjoyable because everyone can quote bits of well most people who watch a lot of movies can quote Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz, um, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Um, Scott Pilgrim's a very quotable movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I do it a lot. Um, it's it's interesting going back to comparing the actual movies together. Um, like I love Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And I'm not saying he couldn't do no wrong. You know, this is the era of the. The, um, as a previous episode, the Me Too movement, if Nicolas Cage turned out to be a creep, you know, okay, with, you know, um, I could I separate the craft from the actor? No, because he is his craft, that's the whole point yeah. of Nicolas Cage being different from other actors and why people either loathe him or love him. Um, it's interesting watch Nicolas Cage play like a different kind of intensity Mm. Because normally, and especially like um, the the good example would be a movie everybody's seen, or if not, you should pause the podcast to go watch this movie, Face Off. Um, His, everything is really near the surface. So instantly he is like, he is water ready to boil over Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. He is about to explode at every single sentence, every single second he's on screen. It is right there underneath the surface. Um, Briggs, his character in Old Way, on the other hand, it is really pushed down. 
and it was like the opposite of like a boiling over pot and like a slumbering volcano. Mm. You know the intensity's there. Yeah. It is just very well hidden to the point where you'd build your entire village on top of it and not realize, and then decades later, your great-great-grandchildren are melting in lava. Um, <laughs> I think you actually float on lava and catch fire, but that's irrelevant. Um, fluid, it's so dense. Fluid density, yeah. <laughs> the... Point I'm making is yeah, it's very interesting watching a normal a normal Nicolas Cage movie where he's not playing such a stoic, intense person, and watching another one of his movies where he just like because there's no there's no cageisms in this movie. No. There's no moment in the entire movie where he goes full Nicolas Cage. Yeah. It is very very intense, and he'd like. Um, massive spoilers if you want to watch the old way stop now um, the the last sequence mm-hmm. where he has to choose between him personally getting his revenge yeah. or saving his daughter's life here is a man who only loved his mother uh, his loved wife his wife yeah only loved his wife her mother um, his daughter at the same time the the fantastic sequence where he's like, you know, stand there and cry and you'll draw him in and then we can take his horse. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know how to cry. And he's like, what do you mean you don't know how to cry? Like, remember when so-and-so buried their person? Like, just do that. And she's just like, where where My baby, my, my baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> and the dude's like, what the fuck is happening? And then Nicolas Cage out of the corner with a gun to his head. And it's just like... Can I just say, I love... Actors pretending to be bad actors. Yes. It's like it's like a whole subgenre of film to me that like like actors pretending they can't act. It's yeah. so good. So like, I for me like that sequence was like wow she can act so well that she can pretend like she can switch off the acting to pretend she can't act. Yeah. Um. So props props to her for that because I just thought that was so good. Anyway, continue what you were saying. Um. Yeah. That that whole. There's no, there's no cagisms, there's, and the, the, everybody else is just sort of like in the real world and the two of them together, the father and the daughter mm-hmm. are sort of in this like sub reality and it is so fascinating to watch as an audience member because stuff is just happening to them and they're just continuing on like nothing. So again, spoilers, um, when the, the group get attacked, Mm-hmm. And they're just like talking about like you know you have to give us our horses back. We have to get these men into town. They're gonna die. Like yeah. blah blah blah. Like you're murdering like deputies of the U.S. Marshal. Like you you can't you know as you said earlier you know you you can't live the old way. You you know yeah. And they're just like cool. Um, that's the wrong firewood. Go get more firewood. And the marshal in the background is just like no you you you're committing like you can't go murder this man. You have like you know blah blah blah. Yeah. And he's just ignoring him. It's just like no, no, no. You to get the you to get dry wood, so the wood the fire becomes super hot, and you're like, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, because there are two different things going on. There is a father daughter interaction of him teaching his daughter how to do something properly. Yeah. And a guy like ranting like you're gonna go to jail for the rest of your life, and he's just ignoring him. And it turns out what they're doing is building a fire so they can cauterize the gun wounds. Yeah. So they can just take the horses and not feel guilty that they're gonna kill people. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, they're so yeah. laser focused on their task. And he teaches the daughter how to remove a bullet, how yeah. to cauterize a wound, and, yeah. you know, proper life skills yeah. from her dad. 
Um, you know, so she's it's cool because I think she's she seems to be not very interested in what her life was before, and suddenly she's like, oh, I'm interested in this stuff. I like learning how to shoot a gun. I yeah. like learning how to perform surgery on a on a tied up U.S. marshal. You know, like, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's 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 interesting that like they've just switched off from what's going on because they're like this doesn't matter to yeah. us what what this guy is saying is irrelevant because we're not following those laws we're going we're doing things the old way yeah <laughs> as, as you would say um yeah it's 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 very interesting because the daughter is i mean you mentioned that she may be on the the, the autism spectrum and the maybe, character yeah. yeah the character yeah um and like Maybe that's just how that's working. She's she's just switched off yeah. from this whole other, you know, the the normalcy of society. She's like switched off from. It's it's fantastic because there's a scene before before everything bad happens, before the jelly during the jelly beans incident, um, the guy comes into into the store because um, Briggs is now running a store as a what the hell are they called. Um, it's not like a market. What did they have? Uh, I was gonna say a convenience store. It's not really. Yeah, they're called like a. It was a weird old timey western name for them, um, Merchicontessin or something super weird. I can't remember what they're called, <laughs> but they were all called. They were called that and in True Grit. Um, oh jeez, I don't know. I didn't pick up on the. Yeah. Anyway, apparently there's an old word for a market. <laughs> uh, back in the day, um, yeah. So she is watching this interaction between her father and this random guy talking about how the um, outhouse has gotten into the roots of an apple tree and the apples taste bad, so she instead of making apple pie because she complained to the guy who made the apple, or grew the apples, that she was going to bake a cake and that's when he steals jelly beans when Briggs goes and gets a cake and he, she sees this whole interaction. And then it's fantastic because later he tells her to go into town to scope it out and she goes to the market and says the exact same dialogue yeah, to the guy word, word for, for word, word with the same emphasis on certain words in the same way it is such a fantastic sequence and the market dude's just like who the fuck is mr johnson <laughs> <laughs> she's just like memorized it yeah and it's like well this is a way to distract someone in a shop i guess yeah it's such a fantastic sequence um, talking of going to market, we are partnered with this uh, episode, aren't we? Yes. I, I was wondering how you were going to segue into oh, that. Yes. That was good. That was clever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, uh, for this episode, we have a partnership with another New Zealand-owned business. Supporting is, Aotearoa. Yeah. Uh, so the company is called Crafted by Jessica Routledge. Uh, they handcraft street jewellery and accessories right here in Aotearoa. Nice. Um, it's a proudly Maori owned and made business um, and so if you go to their website craftedby.co.nz you can use the promo code it takes two for 10% off your order um, they do a lot of handmade jewellery and then also uh, little handmade wallets made out of leather uh, offcuts okay. so it's like recycling, recycling yeah. yep um, and because we're partnering with them, uh, they have a limited run of It Takes Two necklaces that you can get there. 
Um, so for further information, visit craftedby.co.nz and this offer is valid until the 1st of May. Nice. So, yeah. That's exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah, I like, I like that we get to... So it's our first official piece of merchandise. Technically, yes. That's <laughs> awesome. So yeah. not only are you supporting us folks, you're also supporting a New Zealand business, which is like what we're all about here. Yeah. That's cool. So the promo code again was... Promo code is it takes 2 all one word, and, and you get 10% off your order. And that was on the website? Craftedby.co.nz. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the program. I will put the details in the show notes yeah, as yeah, well, fair, so you, fair. with the link, so you can you can click on the link you in always, the show notes. You always need the, the links somewhere, because people will be like, what was that thing? I'm not going to... Where was it in the... Yeah, I'm and gonna... I'll put it in our Discord, because that, that's what I did with our, our previous sponsorship. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's exciting. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. Are you going to buy one? Absolutely. Uh, probably by the time this episode comes out, I might have already bought <laughs> one. 100% I'm going to buy it, and it takes two necklaces. It's very exciting. Fair. Um, well, I know not what to get you for Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, but I think this, this episode will be this out episode, Yeah, this episode is coming out in March. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Confusing for... I've just spoiled, I've broken the fourth wall. Um, yeah. We're not tiny people living inside your phone or other media <laughs> player. We have real lives. Uh, back to the show about mm-hmm. the movies. Um, I was trying to find out what the name of that shop is you're talking about, but all I found is like a, 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 for, like a miniatures painting forum. Where like someone was like, "What kind of buildings do I need to have in my in my old west?" <laughs> that would yeah. So there's like a mustachery. It's not a mustachery, is it? A tobacconist. No. It's just general goods. Store. Yeah, it was called something weird, and I should have written it down at the time. I mean, it basically was a general goods store, right? Yeah, but there was a word, and it was like a word we would use now with like a. Area or something along, you know, like okay. a extension. Pluralizing it, and it was in both movies. Yeah, it was in both movies. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, as we're talking, I will try and check the, uh, the quotes on IMDb for both movies and see if it's mentioned in a quote anywhere. Because that would be helpful. It would be probably yeah closer to the plot, because it would be what Briggs is running. Mm. Um, yeah. Back to True Grit. Um, yep. The performances are fantastic. The dialogue, which I've mentioned, the cinematography is fantastic. I think. The differences between these two movies that stand out the most as someone who watched them in a row um, is the old way, the cinematography is very intimate, if that makes sense. The camera, they're very pushed in to show what the actors are doing rather than where they are. I don't know if that was a directing, the cinematography choices or like location choices. Mm. But True Grit is very, like, you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere most yeah, of that movie. Yeah, I think it's locations. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly where they filmed it, but, like, I think location-wise they, they chose well for that kind of vast expanses and, yeah. um, you know, out in the middle of, middle of nowhere. Because they wanted it to be, like, a wild country. Like, yeah. far that's, right. that's, It's probably somewhere in Arizona or somewhere yeah. that they filmed it. Talking of... Arizona, you know who gets bleak filming locations really well? Who? 
Neil Breen. Oh, no, my God, no. <laughs> we don't need to talk about Neil Breen on this podcast. Please. Please. I thought you were going to talk about the fact that Nick Cage was previously in a Coen Brothers movie yeah, yeah. called Raising Arizona. Yeah. You were like, oh, we're talking about a Coen Brothers movie oh, was and tr- a Nick Cage movie. Yeah. And we've just mentioned Arizona. Um, that would have been a bit of funniest, less, less. Yeah, you just, you just like went off on a totally yeah. different yeah. thing. Um, I don't know what the shop is called because in the like plot line on, on Wikipedia for the old way, it just says he works, he just says he runs a general store. Mm. There is a word for it. It's going to drive me nuts. If you know <laughs> what it is, join our Discord. Uh, links will be in the show notes and um, tell me. The wiki page for general stores has also known as general merchandise store, general dealer, village stop, country store, convenience store. None of those are right. It's not, yeah. It wasn't just called like a merchandiser, was it? I don't no. think it was called a merchandiser. I may be crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. It's probably not that relevant to what we're doing, but is no. it a trading post? No. It definitely had a weird name. Anyway. Moving on. You can stop looking for it now. I just want to know. <laughs> you want to know it's going to bug it's you. It's going to bug me. It's going to bug me. <laughs> I don't know what the, what they called it. We'll just rewatch the movie. Yeah. Find out what they say. Um. All right. What 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 do, what do we move on to next? <laughs> what, what, are we, what are we? What are we even talking about? Um. Barry Pepper, his performance. Do you like Barry Pepper's performance? Sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're just both good movies. Yeah. I was glad because I w- I wasn't sure because we checked the ratings before we watched the old way. Yeah. I wasn't sure what to expect. Also, it's Nick Cage's first Western, first, like, traditional Western that he's done. Right. Um, which is funny, because I think he's in two that are out this year. Um, no, he's going through his Western phase. Yeah, he's going it? through his... He's also... It seems like he's about to go through his villain phase, because Nick Cage, up until this point, has, like, blank, outright refused to play villains in films. Um, apparently, Face Off took some convincing, but they only convince him because, for most of the film, he is playing... The good guy pretending to be the bad guy. Makes sense. Um, but apparently, like, he, villains are not a thing he's interested in playing, or haven't been. Yeah. Whereas this year we've got him playing Dracula, and uh, I can't remember, he's just signed on to play something else where he's clearly the villain, and it sounded amazing, but I forgot what it was. But I got very excited, because I can't wait to see Nick Cage in his villain era, because, like, he 100% could play a great villain. Yeah. He does such a good job at being crazy, you know? But like in the old way, he's he's very, he's like, you know that his past is crazy and he's not, he's very calm. Even the bit we see at the beginning, he's very calm. Yeah. There's like a whole shootout happening and he's just standing there like, all right, I guess. And then just knocks them all off one by one. Yeah. Um, but he's, I think his character is just supposed to be very ruthless as opposed to crazy. Yeah. Like he just doesn't discriminate in who he kills. He's just like, well... Oh boy, here I go killing again. Um, it's a very... It's a very... So I think... You never watched Westworld, did you? Did no, you wa- yeah. I never watched Westworld. Westworld, to me, has ruined Westerns in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Not completely, just in a way where I just feel... Because Westworld, season one, season two were fantastic. Um, 
it's just everything feels like a <laughs> everything feels like a side story in Westworld. Oh, okay. And it's it's interesting because he also wrote Jurassic Park, which also makes Jurassic World feel like a Westworld esque mm. thing. But that's that's a tangent for another day. It's our our boy Michael Crichton. Yeah. Um Yeah. I I think my favourite Western still is probably um Once Upon a Time in the West, which is a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, you should watch that. Yeah, I only remember two. Um, but these are both good. Yeah. I think True Good is, is really good. I Probably at some point down the line, we're going to have to do a comparison of both True Grit movies. That's fine. Um, this one isn't a remake. It's it's a, it's a an adaptation of the book. Yeah. It's just a different adaptation of the book. Because I know, like, I think it was when they brought Jeff Bridges on for the project, they said the first thing you need to do is forget about John Wayne's performance because we're not remaking the John Wayne movie. Yeah. You know, we're... Um, it's also Rooster Cogburn is one of the few um, movie characters to have had more than one actor nominated for an Oscar for playing the same role. Really? Yeah. I think most of the other ones that have happened have been real people. So like Queen Elizabeth or something like that, you know? Oh, okay. Um, whereas John Wayne won an Oscar for... For the the nineteen sixty nine True Grit and uh, Jeff Bridges was nominated but didn't win for the the twenty ten one, so it's a it's interesting, um, and Haley Steinfeld was nominated for her performance in it again, like I said, for supporting actress, which sucks because yeah should have been for best actress. Um, yeah, she didn't win either way, yeah. but um, it's interesting really because what do you determine? From a from a that point of view of like who is the main character is it just the person that's on the movie poster or is it the person that has the most screen time is no, the person that the camera follows the most like it's supposed to be like I thought technically speaking to be supporting actor you have to have under a certain amount of screen time or under a certain amount of lines yeah but she's the person with the most screen time in that movie yeah I I don't know if she has the most lines but she's certainly she is a talker, you yeah. know, like she's she's talking. Um and the performance is fantastic. Um I don't know, maybe it was just her age they didn't want to nominate her for best actress as yeah. a thirteen year old. She's so good though. Who's do you know off the top of your head who's the youngest um person to win? Oh to win. I don't know to win. I think because I think nominated wise for acting awards, um, Anna Paquin was for a long time, and then Kevin Wallace was nominated yeah. when she was, I think, six. Is that right? Wow. Um. Uh, I can check that out though. Good say off the top of your head. Yeah, I know, but it's <laughs> but I can check it out. Um, so the youngest nominee. Oh, hang on. Well, really? Oh, okay. The youngest nominee for an acting category was is actually Justin Henry, for Kramer vs. Kramer. Apparently, I didn't. I thought it was um, I could have sworn it was Adam Hackman. Maybe I was thinking of just the actress category. Yeah, possibly. Um, no, that's not what I meant to do. So, uh, show me the oldest winners and nominees first. The youngest, uh, youngest winner, of best actress. Was Marley Matlin for Children of the Lesser God? She was twenty one. Um, 
they've I hate that they've separated these out. Yeah, so that's much. super weird. Um, youngest winner, youngest winner of a Best Actor was Adrian Brody for The Pianist. He was twenty nine. Wow! So it is a very ageist award. Uh, youngest winner for uh, Best Supporting Actor, Timothy Hutton in Ordinary People. He was twenty. And um, let's look at actress in a supporting role. Youngest winner was Tatum O'Neill for Paper Moon, 10 years old. Okay. And Anna Peckham was second youngest winner. She did win. She won Supporting Actress for the Piano. She was 11. Um, youngest nominee, I swear that youngest nominees was Kevin Wallace. Uh, Tatum O'Neill was the youngest nominee for um, Supporting Actress. Was Kevin Wallace nominated for Lead Actress? She was. She's the youngest ever nominee for Lead Actress. Was Covenant Wallace for Beasts of the Wild? She was nine when she was nominated. I thought she, for some reason I thought she was younger than that, but she was mm. nine when she was nominated. I think she might have been six or seven when the film was filmed, oh, okay. possibly. Um, I remember watching that film. She's very good in it. Um, if that's the beginning of your career, you're like screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happened with Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, true. She's never been nominated again. Yeah. Um, but again, she's. Younger than we are, so like, what age is Haley Steinfeld now? Still like early or mid twenties at this point. Uh, twenty six, so she's only twenty six. So at this point, she's still younger than the youngest winner of an of a acting or best actor award. Yeah. You know, for the Academy Awards, um, so, and I think yeah, she's got plenty of time to to get nominated again. But she's in more commercial stuff now, I think, rather yeah. than... So. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a... I think as an actor who can't work in a normal nine-to-five anymore um, and you're not taking some making up some bullshit job um, like a lot of famous people do mm-hmm. when they're like... What was it the other day you said the person was a um, CEO of a modelling agency? What was that related to? Something, something weird. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Um, the oh no, I know what it was, and now it's unrelated. And it's that's why totally you're, unrelated. That's, that's why, why I'm not answering the question. Yeah, that's why you're giving me that face. But anyway, <laughs> the um, the yeah, it must be very difficult because you would have the choice of do I want to do the projects that I want to do, or the ones that are going to keep me being able to pay my taxes every year. Yeah, and you've got to do a mix of both. I know Gary Oldman is a very famous example of this, because people were like, what happened to him? But he got um, blacklisted because of, you know, yeah, reasons. Yeah, he got blacklisted because of political reasons. Um, you know, political opinions, and, and he, yeah, he was in a movie that was very political, and his character was someone whose political stance he agreed with, and then they edited the movie to make him seem like an idiot and a bad guy yeah. and he didn't like it and then he got blacklisted from Hollywood but when he came back when he did when newer directors started hiring him so he did like Batman Begins and the Harry Potter films um, he specifically was looking for jobs um, because at that point he was a single father raising two kids yeah. and he was like well I need jobs that are gonna pay yeah that are gonna pay but also are like within school hours so yeah. I can go pick my kids up from yeah. school afterwards. Um and I think yeah, so I think probably why he ended up in the Harry Potter films possibly because that would have been a you know um 
films that were shot during the daytime because most of the actors were kids. Yeah. Um, I know they had problems with that in True Grit actually because um because of Haley Steinfeld's age, um and a lot of the sequences needed to be night shots. Yeah. But she wasn't allowed legally <laughs> wasn't allowed to be on set. Um, after a certain time, I think it was after midnight, but still, yeah. they because they had so many night shots, they needed, you know, a lot of that. So there's like, I think in every shot where it's shot at nighttime in that film, if there's a shot where you're looking over her shoulder at someone else, it's, it's not, not her. her. <laughs> um, because they just couldn't do it. They they didn't you know they didn't have the time for the for scheduling. To like extend out the just the turn up on set one. and they're just like the guy who's in charge of lighting is just like yeah yeah sweet we're dark enough now go all your lines now go <laughs> yeah yeah just um, in a row we don't care we'll edit it together yeah because like, you know for child labor laws and stuff they couldn't have a thirteen year old out yeah working all hours of the night every night do it you know um, it's not the olden days where you could just you know make your uh, actual Actors lose their minds, so you get yeah. a per- better performance out of it. Yeah, and she's not a not a twin, so they didn't have a second Haley Steinfeld yeah. there to, to yeah. do things. Um, I mean, phenomenal job with it though, because you like you wouldn't know at any point that sh- she's not there. Yeah, <laughs> and she's on screen for the vast majority of the film. So I felt bad for um, uh, Bruce Willis mm-hmm. and how he did like six movies in one year and apparently he was only on set for like a couple of days right. because of his illness yeah and because he's now retired and was just trying to like make enough money to survive off for the rest of his probably not the best experience of life um quality of life because of his illness but yeah mm-hmm. those you could tell you could there was a difference between i didn't notice mm-hmm but you could definitely tell in some of those movies because I did watch, I think, three of the six he did in one year. Yeah. Um, and one of them you can definitely tell because a lot of the shots where his character is in the scene are mm-hmm. just from behind with dialogue. Yeah. And it's like, he's the he's the main character of this movie and yeah. he gets the least screen time yeah. and the least lines. Like, yeah. I mean, sometimes that's just scheduling conflicts as well with yeah. things. Um, so there are always ways to, to work around it, and there's always, like, there's always stunt a doubles, CGI, size doubles, yeah, you know. CGI mustache. Stand-ins. It's like that, um, that lovely bit in, um, where the, the mouth in the middle, when it was oh to Netflix. Oh my god, and <laughs> yeah. And they suddenly... Who is that man? It's suddenly in widescreen, and you're like, that's not Dewey. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the original, like... You know, letterbox yeah it was just his shoulder um that's crazy yeah i just think that's the funniest thing so you want to move on to the rest of the trivia yeah sure um yeah i think our overall takeaway is both of these are good movies both of them are kind of led by a young female actress yep. and um hopefully both of those actresses go on to do great stuff i think i've covered most of the trivia i had for true grit um, in terms of trivia for the old way, there isn't a whole lot, but um, only there was January, so yep. Yeah, but there is one very interesting bit of trivia for oh, this, no. uh, which I've taken down um details of it from two different sources. Yeah, I know that's part of my genes. That's just yeah, annoying. I thought it was fluff. No, um, 
I'm a fluff picker, folks. I'm a big fluff <laughs> picker. So, yeah, so there's a very interesting bit of trivia that I've taken down from two sources so that I can kind of compile this info for you. Um, so the film was filmed in October 2021. Yeah. Um, there were some ins- incidents with their armor, armorer, sorry, um, to the point that several members of the crew complained about their armor. They said um, that she wasn't handling firearms in a safe way. Uh, and there was an incident in which a weapon was discharged without warning and Nick Cage walked off set and demanded that she be fired. Yeah. Uh, I can't find any details on whether she was fired or not, but that armorer's name is Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, which might be a familiar name to you because the next film she worked on was Rust, which is the film... Oh no! Where someone was shot dead by a by an, a weapon that she had handled. Oh no! Yep, due to unsafe handling of firearms. So she worked on this movie, and multiple members of the crew put on complaints about her, and Nick Cage walked off set because she was I'm surprised unsafe. They got another job. Yeah. Yeah. Like. For the folks who don't know, so an armorer's job is is because you're you're dealing with actors. Most of them uh, are very pretty, but they're not exactly the you know, most people aren't firearms experts. Yeah. And if you're playing a character who's a firearms expert, there there's only so much acting that can go so far without yeah. them someone stepping in and being like, "Hey, look, what you're doing is." horribly dangerous and your character wouldn't do it so like yeah here's a here's a like in the olden days they used to make prop weapons mm-hmm. um you know and then there was the the actual firing weapon but obviously due to production costs and the price of firearms going lower and you know you can get a 3d printer these days and 3d print up some stuff and stick it to some picatinny rails and make your ar-15 look like a space gun in about three days with some weathering and, you know, some little bit of touches with some LEDs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, Adam Savage talks about it a lot. The point being that I'm trying to get to is without your armorer being competent on set, people can die. Mm -hmm. It happened to Brendan Lee. It... um, Obviously happened again with the, this big uh, Baldwin controversy. Yep. Um, the, uh, the person who died, her name was uh, Helena Hudgens. She was the director, correct? Um, cinematography? Yeah, I think she was cinematographer. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, and I think was the, the director was injured? In yeah, the dir- I think it was a pass-through shot like yeah. JFK. Um, that's... Yeah, it's, it's not... Not something you want to skimp on, and I think that's where I'm not going to go into it in big detail because I don't have the horse in the uh, the horse in the race. I was going to say a horse in the fight, but horses don't fight. Well, they do in the wild. Anyway, I'm rambling. We get a we'll get a horse fight going. Yeah, we'll get a horse fight going. Um, the if it, 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 
He was the person who was criticising publicly about the producer's responsibility to keep everybody in the cast safe. Mm-hmm. And that includes having armourers. Yeah. At the time, from what I personally know, now this, don't quote me, this information may be incorrect or have changed based on more information coming out since I was following what had happened originally. Mm-hmm. Um, because as Lisa knows, I do watch a lot of um, firearms-related YouTube, mm-hmm. and mainly because I'm interested in firearms, as we discussed in a previous episode. Yeah. Um, and one of the things they talk about is safety and being safe around firearms. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I knew at the time and from what I have gathered through watching other people's information come through, um, the armourer in question was off-site at the time that the incident happened with okay. Baldwin. So you kind of see where the finger gets pointed when you have a person who has outrightly spoken publicly about how it's the producer's responsibility yeah. to keep people safe, yeah. then hire an armourer who had been criticised for being unsafe yeah. in a previous job, mm-hmm. the armourer not even being on site, yeah. Baldwin being the producer, mm-hmm. and being the one to and try then, to and basically manslaughtering somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really um, a horrible situation. But this, I was going to say complicated, but it's horrible. Yeah, the thing is, is that what most people in, even my generation, uh, any millennials who are listening, making movies back in the day, oh boy, howdy. Mm-hmm. But that's why, you know, every time something happened, there were rules put in place yeah. so it wouldn't happen again. There were, I, I um, can't remember what movie it was. It was a I don't know if it, I think it was nominated for an Oscar, but I don't think it won. Um, it was a war movie, and they had in the sequence it was a cavalry charge across a minefield, oh, and apparently they had to shoot a bunch of horses after the end of it because they were not using, not like these days we just use a dust filled air compressor yeah. with a cap on it that you bury in the ground and when it something gets near it, you press a button and it puffs a big dust up. I think they were actually using explosives. Yeah. And then I think that's why um, you may have may have not seen it as a movie lover or where it has at the end of the movie, no animals were harmed in the filming and this is because of that law that came into place because you were like, hey guys, you can't keep blowing horses up to make your war movies. Yeah, there was trivia about the horses in True Grit that I didn't take down. Oh. oh yeah, so they yeah, so all scenes in which horses appeared to fall or be in pain or any distress were faked using uh, a combination of specific horse training and some clever editing. Yeah. Um, they also the horses that uh, our three leads use are three specific horses um, that were like super well trained. Uh, oh no, I can't remember where it was. They had their names on here, and it was it, they were like adorable. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could probably find that, but um, yeah. So the the horses and they were very conscious of that in in True Grit. Oh yeah. So the horse. Oh, I just had it there. There's one. Oh, there it is. Um. So Jeff Bridges' horse is named Apollo. Matt Damon's horse is named Cowboy, and Haley Steinfeld's horse is named Cimarron. Uh, and they are all carefully chosen and trained by veteran wranglers, um, so that they could do everything that they yeah. they do in the film. 
Um, so well-trained horses and some clever editing so that there's no horses ever actually in distress. Um, budget and box office-wise, um, for True Grit, the budget was $35 million. Box office was $252 million. That's a decent payback. Uh, for The Old Way... We don't know. It's like a mystery. I mean, at the moment, I think it's still in cinemas by the time we're recording this. By the time it's released, it won't be. But yeah. um, I cannot find anything out about the budget at the moment. I don't know what the budget is. Uh, and currently, apparently, the box office is 31000 Oof. So <laughs> hopefully it makes more than that. I know there's a few people that I follow on Twitter who are who have already seen it. Uh, I think also done podcast episodes on it. Think yeah. That's probably because I follow multiple people who have separate Nick Cage podcasts. <laughs> um, yeah, so hopefully the old way gets more. I don't think it's going to reach true grit numbers. No, box I don't, office. I don't think anyway, so. I think there's a lot of people who don't like Nicolas Cage still. Even though he's a very good actor. And there's actually. a lot of people who don't like westerns. Because if you go through trends, uh, there was a trends list recently that I had a look at about popularity of uh, movie genres. And like, westerns had a boom. Mm. And from then it's just tanked. Yeah. It was enough. a bad stock to buy into. Mm. Um, there's been obviously some standouts over the time. But yeah, yeah. most of it has just been all the way down the bottom. Whereas yeah, science fiction I think, obviously was the was getting higher and higher. Yeah, even even westerns that are really good in more recent years probably just haven't made the commercial success. Yeah. Like I, I think of um, what's the one that I really like? I've forgotten the name of it. Like literally, as I went to say it, the name went out of my head. Ooh, Kurt Russell in it. Oh, uh, no, I was going to say. Oh, uh, Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. I was like, walk, walk, walk through the tombstones, and I'm like, that's Liam Neeson, no, and no, it's no. also set in, like, the 90s. Or no, the, Bone, Bone Tomahawk is, uh, that's another, I think I, I think I specifically, this is probably why I actually liked both these movies, I tend to, like, specifically like the genre of revenge western, <laughs> which is in itself a whole genre, and I think Bone Tomahawk is a good example of a revenge western as well. Um, so you're saying your favourite, your favourite, uh... Um, Quentin Tarantino movie is Kill Bill Volume 2 I haven't seen it oh. but maybe it would so be it's, if I it's, watched it's, it it's um, yeah okay <laughs> alright uh, thank you for all who have joined us thank you for uh, listening to us ramble on about cowboys um, please see the show notes to get in with this limited time offer on some uh, the first ever It Takes Two merch. And you'll think <laughs> about that. You'll think about that. If you don't do it now, you'll think about that years to come. Yeah, limited when, limited edition. Yeah, when we're, when we're on stage and you have to pay, you know, 60 bucks to get floor tickets to come see us, you know, and you can imagine how much those things are going to sell for on eBay. You're also supporting <laughs> uh, New Zealand. You're supporting... Um, a uh, uh, indie company, unique company. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fully Maori-owned business, yep. Jessica Outledge. Um, so it's Crafted by Jessica Outledge at craftedby.co.nz. And uh, you get, yeah, you get that limited limited run. It takes two necklace. And it's, it's also exciting. 10% off any purchase. Yeah. With our promo code. It's very exciting. So you can go to their website to find out more about the partnership. Um you can find us on social media at, at it takes two underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram and it takes two pod on Facebook. 
And our website is ittakes2.co.nz. Stay safe out there, folks. And we'll catch you next time. Goodbye.